Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Wage Jihad on Pride Month. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Well, some interesting things have happened in the world of terror, and in particular in regard to Pride Month. Um, there have been attacks in various places all over the world uh, by jihadists against um events that were set up for Pride Month. And um, it is not really a surprise, or it shouldn't be a surprise. And this, by the way, if you remember, um, we had an attack in Florida, the Pulse nightclub. That was a terrorist attack against a gay nightclub. There are reasons why terrorists um, might choose gays or gay targets, gay nightclubs, uh, Pride Month, um, as a target for their attacks, and I'll tell you about it. So first we're going to start with Turkey and um, the West Bank, Ramallah. Those are two places where there were, where there were threats of an attack. Um, and then we're going to go to the main um, topic for today, which is the Oslo shooting, a terror attack on uh, gay targets in Oslo, Norway. So let's start with um, Turkey. All right. Um, first of all, to understand this a little better, there, the Hadith is a collection of sayings attributed to the, to the Prophet Muhammad, which is a source of guidance for Muslims apart from the Quran. So a Hadith is either this collection or it can be used to refer to a particular saying. So... In the Hadith, um, it has Muhammad specifying that the punishment for homosexual activity is as follows. It says, quote, The messenger of Allah, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said, quote, Whoever you find doing the action of the people of Lut, execute the one who does it and the one to whom it is done. Now, the people of Lut refers to the prophet Lot or Lut. He's a prophet in the Quran. And um, it refers to the sin of sexual misconduct. Now, Lot or Lut was sent to uh, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah as a prophet. And he was commanded to preach to the inhabitants um, the fact that there is sinfulness in homosexuality and in their lustful and violent acts. So the um, messages, Lut's messages, were ignored by the inhabitants of these cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, and they were subsequently destroyed. 
So this story of the destruction of the cities is traditionally presented as a warning against homosexuality in Islam. So that is the connection between Islam, Muslim, Muslims, uh, radical Islamists, and terrorism and terror attacks. So now let's go to the first example, which, as I said, was in Turkey. There was a picnic that was going to be put on by the LGBT university students. They planned it as part of Pride Month activities at Istanbul University. And the campus was targeted by um, by terrorists. And there was a crowd that was cheering, uh, Allah, God is, is the greatest. The, the specific words that they um, used were takbir, Allah, u, ekber, but basically it means the same, God is the greatest, Allah. And then Bayazit is ours and remain ours. Bayazit is a historical square in Istanbul. So the crowd um, of these terrorists gathered in front of the university campus and threatened the LGBT um, students. Then the crowd posted a video from an account that had the name Seven Crescent Seven Crescent, Istanbul University. And in the video, there was a message that said, quote, there is no place for these deviants, neither on our campuses nor in a single inch of this country. Bayezid belongs to Muslims. So after this um, video was shown and these, these chants were made, um, the picnic, it was going to be a vegan picnic that the students the actually the Istanbul University Equality Society had planned, it was canceled because they were afraid of their security. And they warned the students to go to safe areas and announced that the picnic had been canceled. So the terrorists won. <laughs> Another example of where the terrorists won was in Ramallah. Um, there was supposed to be a party at a concert in Ramallah, which is in the West Bank. And Palestinian activists um, banned this LGBT party. Quote, a concert that was supposed to take place in Ramallah over the weekend for the LGBTQ community was called off following threats from Palestinian activists. Um and they had a video of their own. Uh, they posted a video on social media, and the activists are seen arriving at the center where the concert was supposed to take place. And the leader of the group, Yaman Jarar, is the son of prominent Hamas preacher and YouTube figure Sheikh Bassam Jarar. And he's famous for his prophecy that Israel will cease to exist in 2022. So they're terrorists. Hamas as you know, is a terrorist organization. And so the leader of the group who came to this concert um, was the son of this prominent Hamas preacher. Now, in the video, um, Yaman, the son, is heard telling people at the center, quote, there's a guy called Bashar Murad who's supposed to hold a party here today. Bashar Murad is gay. This person is banned from holding a concert. He does not represent us or any of our free people. We came here to advise you in a respectful manner. We are talking to you in a nice way. Don't test our patience. Anyone who dares to harm our religion will be crossing 
a red line. So those were warnings in these two places. They weren't actually attacks. But next we're going to go to Oslo in Norway, where there was an actual attack, uh, a mass shooting. And it was on um, three locations that are uh, connected to um, the gay pride festivities that were going to go on and and, um, particularly this one um, nightclub. And so Norway is a perfect place to have jihad against homosexuality. Now, I'm not saying I am not at all endorsing jihad or endorsing it being against homosexuality. Um, But it's a perfect place if you're going to look for a place to find um, to find uh, homosexual targets, because in Norway, gays and LGBTQ people have been accepted. It is not, um, I mean, that's why a lot of the people, and I'll tell you about this later, they were very shocked that such a thing would happen in Norway because there has been such a um, particular acceptance of LGBTQ. So there they were, lambs for the slaughter, you know, unsuspecting of um, that there was going to be any kind of terror attack. So I'll start telling you about that. Um this ha- the shooting happened just recently uh, on Saturday, June 25th. Yesterday, I'm recording this on Sunday, um, and it was perpetrated by a man named Zaniar Matapur. Mat- Mat- um, he uh, and so I'm going to first I'll tell you about what happened, and then I'll tell you all about him. And he is a very interesting man. Uh, who there are issues in regard to his psychological well-being. Was he mentally ill? There are many examples of criminal cases where he was uh, arrested and tried and convicted before of, of, of crimes that should have given the authorities warning that they should have punished him uh, more severely than they did. But um, in, at the beginning, it was because of his, he was young. Um, he's 42 now. And at the beginning, you know, they were taking into consideration his youth. He was a high school student at the time. And then um, then they took into consideration his mental illness, which, you know, is, is still um, uh, has yet to be specifically confirmed. You know, is he crazy or is he crazy like a fox? We're going to also talk about terrorism. Now, he has a very interesting connection to terrorists. And in fact, um, they are thinking that he may well have, he does have some um, radical Islamist connections, some terrorist connections, particularly to ISIS. So this whole thing is very interesting and very unexpected in Norway. And um, we're going to look at all of the different aspects of uh, of him and of the the case, and and um, and and it has a very well, except for the except for the people who were killed and injured, uh, it has an uplifting ending in terms of what the LGBT community did after this. So we're going to go now to the next segment of this podcast, and I will start off by telling you about the event itself.
You've been listening to the Terrorist Starfish Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to the Terrorist Starfish Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about um, terrorists wage jihad on Pride Month. I was just talking about uh, the two threats in um, Turkey and in the West Bank. And now I'm going to tell you about an attack that was more than a threat that actually happened. And two people were killed and at least 21 injured. So this is a very serious attack. Um, it happened yesterday, Saturday, June 25th, um, in Oslo, and it was a mass shooting, and um, they picked the shooter, whose name is Aniar Matapor. Um, he picked three sites that are that were associated with Oslo Pride. Now, Oslo Pride is the local LGBT Pride event hosted by the Oslo branch of the Norwegian Organization for Sexual and Gender Diversity. Um, and the locations were, first the main location was uh, a pub called the London Pub. This is in Oslo. It wasn't in London. <laughs> it was called the London Pub. London Pub Gay Club. The second spot was the Hare Nielsen Jazz Club. And the third spot was a takeaway food outlet. Now, the main target was the London Pub, but these other two um, targets or places that got affected were nearby. So, um, the London Pub um, is a popular... Um, gay bar and nightclub, and the perpetrator, there's at least one witness who heard the perpetrator shout, Allahu Akbar, as he started shooting. So, I mean, you know, the, the question is whether this is a um, terrorist attack. Well, the, the question for the uh, investigators, uh, as they are presenting it, is trying to decide whether it's a terrorist attack, you know, a radical Islamist terrorist attack, or a gay hate crime. Um, as you know, if you listen, and and of course, then there's also the idea of was he um, competent? Was he? Did he have a psychiatric? Was it a mental illness that made him do this? Sort of out of the blue. Um, but as you know, if you've been listening to previous uh, podcasts of mine, Terror Therapist podcast, um, being being a, a radical Islamist terrorist and being a um, um, and being mentally ill are not mutually exclusive because, as I've explained, people who are mentally ill um, are more vulnerable to becoming radicalized by terrorists. And also, as I was talking about in the first segment, it also doesn't mean that they don't hate gays for the reason that I talked about, the Hadith, um, that, uh, you know, where Muhammad did not like gays. Okay, so... Um, let's see. 
Um, yes, this is this is the main question that they are dealing with now. Um, could it be motivated by hate, anti anti LGBT hate? Uh, intended to target Oslo Pride because it happened. It happened at around 1 a.m. Uh, on Saturday night, and it was or Saturday morning, and it was um, that it later, just a few hours before the major gay pride parade. So that is not a coincidence. <laughs> and then the idea of you know when they're trying to decide which one or the other, um, actually. There, there have been in Norway, even though um, being LGBT is is much more accepted or, or and much earlier accepted than in many other places around the world. Um, there have been attacks against the LGBT community and the Pride event from anti-LGBT extremists on social media. So there is that, and then of course there. You, you wait till you hear the. Um, there's some really interesting connections of this perpetrator to ter- terrorism. Um, and uh, he was known, actually, by the Nor- Norway Counterterrorism Unit. So, um, so let's see, the, the Pride Festival in Norway was supposed to last 10 days. And it was cut short. They had done some events, but it was cut short right before the parade um, on Saturday. And um, they, the the London, oh the the London pub, which was the main target, um, opened in ni- in the 1970s, and it builds itself on its website as quote the most visited gay place in Norway. So this was a key. Um, you know, target of the gay community. This was something that was particularly valued by the gay community. Um, so, and and now this the the um, the this pride parade. This was going to be the first one since 2019 because of COVID. So it was a big deal. They were expecting big crowds, and there were big crowds. And um, the events. After this happened, the events organizers canceled the parade and the rest of the festival, all the other events, because that is what the police was warning them to do. So um, the leader of Oslo Pride said, quote, we encourage all of Norway to show solidarity and celebrate pride at home in their neighborhoods and towns. Now, the, the really wonderful thing, and I'll tell you more details about this at the end, but Despite the parade's cancellation, there were some some reports say hundreds of people, some say thousands of people showed up on Saturday for an impromptu march along the route. They just walked. They just made a parade themselves, you know, and uh, and a rally near the club that had been attacked. And they were waving flags and laying bouquets in a show of unity. Now, they think that the uh, perpetrator was a lone wolf. And um, he, there had been a long line to enter the London pub, and um, it was already packed with party goers. And um, one of the people who were in there said that he ran to the basement to escape the gunfire and hid there along with 80 to 100 other people, 
quote, many called their partners and family. It felt almost as if they were saying goodbye. Others helped calm down those who were extremely terrified. Then the police came, and um, he was arrested five minutes after he started shooting. And they seized two weapons, including one that they are describing uh, as an automatic weapon, but it wasn't a modern gun. It's a little, they're still kind of trying to figure out the guns, but, um, and they were unregistered, <laughs> you know, so think about that when, when you think about uh, gun control, you know, the terrorists and criminals do not register guns for the most part. They do not, um, not mass shooters in any case. Um, okay, there were two people killed in this attack. They were both men in their 60s. And there were also um, at least 21 injured, at least 10 who were seriously wounded, and at least 11 who were left with minor injuries, some that were caused by a panicked rush to flee the area. Um, so the man, the... Um, the perpetrator is charged with murder, attempted murder, and terrorism, and possibly a hate crime charge will be added. So now Matapur's lawyer, he has, he's he's got a good lawyer. He has a, a, a famous lawyer apparently, you know, famous at least in in Norway. His name is John Christian Elden, and um, he said he's he's really been speaking up for his client very vigorously advocating for him. And um, the Matapur um, is, uh, you know, has, has proven himself very difficult once he was arrested. Um, he is, he doesn't want to give a, doesn't want to answer questions on audio or video because he's afraid that the police would manipulate these recordings. And, um, he demanded that everything had to be written down, and then he, um, na he, he ref as of now, the latest news is that he's refused to appear for questioning altogether, um, and then said that when he is finally interrogated, he wants it to be made public in its entirety. Um, so, you know, this is a typical terrorist thing where they like to make when they're, you know, on trial, they like to make pronouncements um, for the cause, you know, to uh, uh, to proselytize, to get people to become terrorists or to show or to get people to realize, you know, that he had a very good reason for what he was doing. Um, now, just to tell you a little bit of background about Matapur, he is an Iranian refugee. Uh, he also has used the name Samuel Stefa. Uh, he lives in central Oslo. He is a Norwegian citizen, but he was originally from the Kurdish part of Iran. That's why, you know, an Iranian refugee. I mean, I know that that's, um, that's uh, uh, politically incorrect, but basically that's what he is. I mean, because uh, countries in Europe or in Norway or that general don't like to say, you know, don't like to to complain about or, or tell the truth about how the refugees or how the, the migrants, whatever you want to call them, are destroying um, their their countries. So the politically, it's not politically correct to say Iranian refugee. In any case, um, he was born in Iran, 
to Kurdish parents. He came to Norway in 1991 when he was 12 years old. So you would think, you would hope um, that, you know, he was young enough that he would adopt the culture uh, of Norway, but that doesn't seem to be the case. In 1993, he and his family moved um, to another place in Norway where he completed secondary school before he started at Stovner Upper Secondary School, but he never completed secondary school, high school. And he admitted in, in, um, at a previous court testimony, uh, of which he has had many, he admitted that he did not finish high school, that he used some drugs in his youth, he played basketball, he played martial arts, and he has also, as he's gotten older, he has also worked as an unskilled plumber. So, um, you know, clearly he wasn't satisfied with his life, um, as you will, as will be clear when I talk about all the different criminal cases, uh, arrests and convictions he's had. And um, let me just tell you, before I go into the next segment, let me tell you about his psychiatric history. His first mental health diagnosis was made in the 1990s. And the diagnoses he was given during those years included paranoid schizophrenia, PTSD, and delusions, according to the records. Um, now, you know, you could say that it was his paranoia that made him not want to um, uh, do a, an interrogation where uh, he would be recorded by radio, audio or video, you know, saying that they would, the authorities would change it, edit it, so that to make him say, it seemed like he said things that he didn't say, to, to in other words, to um, make him seem more guilty. But so it could be from his paranoia, but it's also something that that's also a typical terrorist um, uh, way of being. Now, his mother testified in some of his previous uh, criminal cases, and she said that he had been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia as well. So um, now, one of the interesting things to think about is. Did he copy Omar Mateen's attack on the Pulse nightclub, the gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida? Because there are some things that are very similar. So that's why I say, is he crazy or crazy like a fox? And yes, those are in single quotes. I know it's not nice for a psychiatrist to say crazy, but you know what I mean. Um, the His attorney has... Uh, has said, you know, when, when to kind of explain or excuse his client not wanting to talk to the authorities, to the police, he has said that no one has a duty to contribute to their own prosecution, and this must at least apply to a heavily medicated person diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Now, it'll be interesting to know whether he was medicated at the time that he carried out this attack. There's also evidence of his psychiatric you know, his having had or having a psychiatric disorder uh, because he's been receiving disability benefits from 2013, which presumably relate to his psychiatric problems. Um, now, the, his attorney um, demanded or or <laughs> requested and the and the police agreed 
to with the lawyer to give the man um, a uh, a psychiatric evaluation. And the lawyer said that it was, quote, too early to conclude whether the actions have anything to do with pride, a hate crime, or terrorism. Or it could be all three. He didn't say that. That's my, my additional addition to his uh, comment. Um, well, when we come back, I will give you some more fascinating history about this man um, in Matapur. And um, both in regard to, first we'll talk about his criminal history, then we'll talk about um, his connection to terrorism, and then we'll talk about the, um, go back to the gay pride um, event months and the connection to this whole attack. So stay tuned and uh, for the next segment. You've been listening to The Terrorist Starfish Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to The Terrorist Starfish Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about terrorists wage jihad on Pride Month. Um, we're talking about Matapur, um, Zaniar Matapur, and um, he is the one who created a mass shooting in Oslo, Norway, targeting um, three gay three places. Um, associated with gay pride and doing it just hours before a big gay pride parade was about to start. So um, now we're in this segment, we're going to talk about his criminal history, which is rather, uh, you know, you have to scratch your head and say, what? They let him go each of these times. What they did. and and as I'll talk, the next um, I'm going to talk to you after this about his connections to terrorism, and then um, going back to the connections to Gay Pride Month. Um, and so, so all right. His first. Let's start with his first uh, brush with the law. His first brush with the law was um, in 1999. That is when he received his first sentence. He was sentenced to 10 months in prison for having been involved in a stabbing at a nightclub in connection with a school ball. It was a prom. He was a student at a high school. And he... um, he he got involved or he, he perpetrated a stabbing at the school prom. Now that would be a little clue <laughs> that this is a, uh, this is someone to watch. You know, he's just a high school student. I mean, maybe he didn't get the girl he wanted to go with him to the prom. I don't know. But, um, I mean, uh, but it is, it, you know, it's a pretty shocking, um, first, first offense. Um, 
so then the when the court uh, the in the he was acquitted, believe it or not. So um, wait a second, he 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 was sentenced. Wait a second, he was sentenced to ten months in prison, but then he appealed it. And he was acquitted after he appealed. He, this happened in 1999. He appealed in 2000 and he was acquitted because the court said that it didn't find that, um, they had proven that he was the one who carried the knife. So they only sentenced him to 30 days in prison for beatings and kicks, which they called aggravated street violence. So they knew he had done something. Um, okay, so that's how they, oh, and also the Court of Appeal took into account his young age and, um, they referred to his, quote, obvious mental problems. So that was 99. Then we go to 2007. Um, let's see. In 2007, um, he committed a crime, <laughs> cocaine at the mall. Um, he was arrested for drug possession at the Linderud Center. He said, he explained when he was arrested, he was exposed by a security guard at this mall. And he explained that he had been sent there to pick up the drug, the cocaine, which was in a sock over a roof plate by a man from Montenegro. And he told the uh, security guard, um, he, di he did this because he needed money. So then, for some reason, he didn't end up getting indicted until 2016. And um, the indictment at that time also included storage of almost one kilo of amphetamine. But he was acquitted of this, of the amphetamine. So um, in 2016, um, he got 120 days in prison, of which 90 were made conditional for this possession of cocaine. Um, then, oh, let me go back for a second to the 2000. Oh, well, yeah, this is right. Uh, in pretrial detention for 2007. When he was originally, the, the crime was in 2007, and there was a pretrial detention in 2007. And um, they said, the accused appears to be very depressed, and the court assumes that he will soon receive his usual medication for depression. So, it was only, it was only cocaine possession, well, and amphetamine possession, but um, because he was depressed, <laughs> he was depressed because he got caught. Um, because he was depressed, they gave him this relatively light sentence. Then we have a crime in July 2019. Um, and this crime was access to weapons. Um, he was arrested for attempted murder, illegal possession of a firearm, and illegal carrying of a knife in a public place. So they arrested him, and he was released after a few days against the will of the prosecution. So I'm not quite sure how he got released. Um, 
But he believed that this man had a history that gave good reason for suspicion. Yes, yes, that's true. And that previous cases showed that he had access to weapons. So the Court of Appeal said that he was released because the court did not find reasonable grounds for suspicion. Um, so the crime was in two, 2019. And um, then in 2020, he was convicted, but he only received a fine for um, possession of a knife. And the fine was um, 14,400 kroner, which is $1,440. Um, and he, he didn't accept the fine, and so then he appealed. Um, and then, let's see, um, he, he was arrested. This was, this, when he was arrested, he was carrying a knife in a public place in Greenland. And um, in possession of a knife, it was a folding knife. Now, this was his, he, this man has a lot of great explanations. I mean, not <laughs> I mean, by great, I mean imaginary, creative, you know, good imagination. He explained to the court that he was not aware that he had the knife with him when he went out. He explained that earlier in the day, he had been on a walk with his children. This man has children in the park. And that he had then had the knife with him to peel and cut fruit. But instead, he bought, they bought ice cream. The court did not trust the explanation. So any, anyhow, it ended up with him paying $1,440, an equivalent uh, fine of, of $1,440. Um, then, let's see. Then, um, in 2019, he was also arrested in 2019, for having fired a shot in a home in Oslo, but he was not convicted of this. And in 2020 was the, yes, 2020 was the knife incident. And a ruling from 2021 states that the accused, quote, has had mental problems for a number of years. So basically they let him, they were very nice to him because he had, he was depressed. <laughs> um, okay. Let's talk about terrorism because this is the most important, um, aspect in regard to the terrorist therapist show, right? Um, first of all, the, the security level in uh, Norway has been raised, the terror threat, from level three, which is described as ordinary, to extraordinary, level five. Uh, and level five means that the population should be vigilant and they should have a low threshold for contacting the police. Like, you know, if you see something, say something. Now, this man's neighbors, as per usual, were shocked. How could, how could this nice man? They said um, there was never any noise from the apartment he had at his disposal. Uh, now police are investigating whether he has been radicalized in recent years. Well, <laughs> uh, actually, um, the, the, the police, there's a special police, the police security service. This is not just the usual police. These are, this is a counterterrorism unit. And they became aware of Matapur in 2015. And, um, that's, they first became acquainted with him when he was arrested. 
And um, now they, um, at that time, they had concern that he was radicalized and part of an extremely, uh, of an extreme Islamist contact network in Norway. So even in 2015, they had suspicions. And this network sympathized with ISIS. And they said that he had uh, extreme attitudes. Now, um, he was also uh, interviewed by this special counterterrorism unit in May of 2022. That is one month before he perpetrated this attack this gay pride attack. And they said that in May of 2022, they had conversations with him, quote, in connection with the fact that he had shown interest in markings and statements that are perceived as a violation of Islam. That's all they are saying about it. Um, you know, whether that's, they said it was not considered in these conversations that the perpetrator had intention of violence. They're not clarifying what that means that these markings and statements were a violation of Islam. So, um, and how that made them think that he wasn't a terrorist. Um, the defense attorney, John Eldon, said that this contact um, for, with the police security service, the counterterrorism service, uh, in May the concern was because he was demonstrating against a group that burned the Quran on the streets of Oslo. So the lawyer said, I would warn against speculating that this is linked to situations in Oslo or otherwise. The investigation must show that. So in other words, he's trying to say that this man isn't his client, isn't related to this network of radical Islamists is what he's really trying to say. Um, They, it, when they talked to him in May, they decided that he was not an imminent threat. And then one month later, he perpetrates this attack that kills two people and injures at least 21. Uh, I mean, this, this is the same pattern that we see time and time again, including um, from the um, from Omar Mateen, the Orlando, you know, Pulse nightclub incident. He had also been to some degree on the police watch list. There, were, there are many. Uh, similarities and that's why I wonder whether he is crazy like a fox and really copied it was a copycat of Omar Mateen. Um okay let's see. Alright, so now so the this counterterrorism organization said we have not considered him as one of those we are most worried about. We had no indications prior to yesterday that indicated we should have paid special uh, we should have had special concern about him. Well, you know, hello. <laughs> Obviously, you should have. Um, oh, this is the, this is the most interesting part in terms of terrorism. Now, and by the way, when I have been researching this, you, if you're in America, you probably have not, or maybe anywhere, you probably except in Norway. You probably have not heard about this, at least not very much, in the mainstream media. Um, and, and in doing hours and hours and hours of research, 
the main uh, sources that I found that had any significant information were the Norwegian newspapers or and and um, and broadcasters. Um, you know, not not anybody else. It's like they want to hide. You know, you know. Here we go again. We're trying to hide something being a terrorist attack. Okay, so here's the most interesting part. Apparently, and this is uh, according to the public broadcaster NRK, that's in Norway, in Norway uh, Metapor has been in contact with Arfan Body, an Islamist extremist with several violent convictions. On June 14th, Body, who has also been represented by the same lawyer in the past, posted a burning rainbow flag, a burning rainbow flag on June 14th. And then this event happened um, 11 days later. He posted a um, burning rainbow flag with a caption calling for the killing of gays on Facebook. Body is a leading figure and he, in, in a group that has recruited people for ISIS. Matapur had been stopped by police in April just a couple of months ago, when he was in the same car as Body. So do you think there's a connection? <laughs> I would say so. All right. Now, we'll end with the uh, talking about the impact of all of this on Pride Month in Oslo. Um, now, some LGBTQ people in, in Norway reacted with shock that this could happen in their country where gay people are so widely accepted. Um, safety, they say, safety is not seen as a major issue, and rainbow flags are common in shops and restaurants. Norway, in 1993, was the second country in the world behind Denmark to allow same-sex registered partnerships and same-sex marriage has been legal since 2009. So they weren't, even though, you know, as I said earlier, there were some uh, threats online, for the most part, the gay community felt very safe. Now, so as I said, the Pride March, the parade, was supposed to take place just a few hours after this this mass shooting, which occurred at 1 a.m. And um, uh, let's see. And the police said that they should probably call it off, or that, not probably, the police have said that they should call it off, because, um, and, and the organize, they convinced the organizers to cancel the event, because they were afraid of copycat uh, attacks, you know, that, that other people who had the same uh, feelings as Matapur would actually, you know, attack the parade. Um, the planners... Oslo Pride wrote on Facebook, quote, Oslo Pride has received clear advice and a recommendation that the parade, Pride Park, and any other event in relation to Oslo Pride be canceled. Quote, we will follow the police's recommendation and take care of each other. And so the police are investigating whether there are further, even continuing further attacks um, planned. Um, so let's see, there were videos put on social media that this is the good part. Remember I told you there's a happy ending or a, an uplift? Well, of course it's not a happy ending that two people were killed and over 21 were injured. But the happy or the uplifting part of it <clears throat> was, is 
that uh, hundreds or thousands, <laughs> uh, depending upon the reports, um, of pride marchers gathered in Oslo nonetheless, even though the parade was canceled. In fact, they were spurred on to march because of this hate crime. And um, so they marched through Oslo with rainbow banners chanting, and I, I've, there's our videos online that you can watch of this. It says, we're here, we're queer, we won't disappear. Um, and then someone, let's see, who said this? Um, one of the people marching in the, in the non-parade parade said, this is for many a silent parade, but for others, it's a protest against two people being shot and killed on Saturday. It's very powerful to be here. We see people crying next to us. We are here in pure solidarity with the whole movement. I am very shocked that something like this can happen in Norway in 2022. Well, so that is the uplifting part of this, um, strengthening the community, strengthening we're here, we're here, we're queer, we won't disappear. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at TerrorismForKids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.